Well, good morning, everyone. We are continuing our series on uh, We Can Do More Together, and uh, it's an exciting series, and you're going to see by this autobiographical story of Nehemiah how that he relied on so many people to help him to accomplish the miraculous. Now, <clears throat> it's also because... Um, Nehemiah was so handicapped, you know, he was the second shortest man in the Bible, Nehemiah. Um, yeah, you're welcome, thank you, yeah. <laughs> there was a shorter man, as Jaka, and he was a uh, shoe height. He was, uh, he's found in Job, if you'd like to look at that, so anyway. <laughs> anyway. See, and Pastor Rob said I wasn't funny last week. <laughs> I don't get it. So, we're going to look at this story of Nehemiah and how he did such wonderful things from God, but it began, and I think all of us have this understanding that it takes more than one person to do a job, right? And it takes a community of people. It takes a community. Um, Hillary Clinton Clinton wrote a book many years ago now called It Takes a Village, and she wasn't far wrong. It takes, I would think we would say it this way, it takes a community to build uh, individuals and to build uh, the church. And so as we look at this story and this life of um, Nehemiah, it's a perfect example of how God calls a person and how God uses him to direct others to do great things for God. So Nehemiah is, um, as we read in the scriptures, Mr. Josh read this morning in, in our scriptures, just, it's a clear vision of what he, happened to him. And it begins with this point. We need to see the need to begin the work. Nehemiah is, uh, has a cushy job. He has a great job. He is the cupbearer of the king. Now, the cupbearer of the king gets to do all these really cool things, like every glass of wine that the king would have, he'd have a sip of it to make sure it wasn't poisoned. If it was, obviously, it wouldn't be such a good job. But he would do that, and then he would taste the food, too. He had this uh, really cushy job. He lived in the palace. He worked in the palace. He was, he was one of these people that just had this really uh, a very nice job, and he was really trusted. He, he had a great relationship with King Artaxerxes. And so for the work to begin, you have to have and have to see the need. You know, we live in a world where every... Every news flash, every news story just kind of overwhelms you. You know, one story says this, another story. I remember a couple weeks ago I saw this story where a car ran into the back of a pickup truck so hard his car flips over and there was a pregnant lady in the truck. The pregnant lady was okay except she had to deliver on the front seat of the truck. Everybody was good. But it's, it's, you know, so you hear something like that and you go, wow, that's just absolutely amazing. 
But then the next day, something more tragic happens, something more difficult. And what happens, I think, is that we get desensitized to the needs of those that are around us. There's this almost callousness that comes into place, and we, we don't see the need. But certainly, Nehemiah saw the need. When he asked his friend, his friends Hananiah and, and others that, that came to visit them, he said, things are not going well uh, for those who return to the providence of Judah. There are great troubles and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. His immediate response is this. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. You know, sometimes God calls us through, through the tears, and sometimes he calls us through just overwhelming burdens. And in fact, he says, for days I mourned, and, and I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. He became so overwhelmed and so burdened with this that he, he had to take action. And I think sometimes in our lives we have to see the need so clearly that it almost overwhelms our heart before we take action, before we do something that is beyond our ability and give God the glory. This year our church has had some really great things happen. You know, uh, We've had this new ministry called the Response uh, Crew Team, Response Team, and uh, they came into existence because a man saw a need. And because of that, he's worked in two hurricane areas, he and his team. They've helped several local people uh, do work in their homes and things like that, people that couldn't afford it otherwise. He saw a need, and he met that need. I was thinking next week as the women are away, you know, they're at a retreat next week. I see that the women saw the need that men needed to be alone for a weekend. <laughs> so they, they filled the need. I saw Dave Snyder have an axe throwing thing for guys. Every guy needs to throw an axe once in a while. So you see... It's just when you see a need and he saw it and it so overwhelmed his heart. Years ago, I got a Christmas gift from my daughters. Uh, it was called the movie Robots. And um, you may or may not be familiar with it. The last nine o'clock, they didn't, who? Robot what? Uh, but it's a, it's a story about these robots and the head robot guy, Mr. Big, I think is his name. I, don't, I can't remember. Somebody said it? Bigwell, okay, yeah. Mr. Bigwell says, you see a need, you fill a need. That was his slogan for all his life. And if you see a need, you fill a need. And that's exactly what happened to Nehemiah. He saw a need and he filled that need. So many times we look around us and we don't see the need because our needs seem to be so great. And we need to be looking outside our own needs to see the needs of others. So many times we get caught up in, in what our needs are that we forget there are others. We become almost desensitized to the needs of those around us. So we, I think we have to be intentional. It began with Nehemiah with one question. Hey, how are things going back in Jerusalem? And he sees the need. 
and he goes about filling the need. And so he begins to fill the need by making his presentation uh, to, King, to King Xerxes, Artaxerxes. You know, and, and I think the second thing we have to look at is we have to understand that some, sometimes the support we get comes from the strangest places. Early in the following spring, it said, in the morning of Nisan, and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't a car. Uh, during the 12th year of Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine because he was the cupbearer. I have never before it appeared of him sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. He was so burdened that his countenance, he was so burdened that his job uh, took a step back. You know, so, and the king noticed. And he noticed because they had a trusted relationship. That he built a relationship. He, the king had never before seen him sad. And then the king ushers these three words. Well, how can I help you? The king of the known world at that time, King Artaxerxes, says, hey, I want to help you. What do you need? What do you need? And then he goes out and ne Nehemiah requests for three things. First, he said, I'm going to need some time off to do this. Secondly, he says, I'm going to need some letters of permission to cross territories to get it done. And the third thing, do you have any lumber that I could use? Because the gates have been burned. And so the king gives him not only that, but he even adds one more. He gives them a military escort. And he gets his own forest. He, he uses the private forest of Artaxerxes and uh, can can accomplish all these things. Why in the world would a man that had such a cushy job, worked in the palace, tasted food every day that was good food, why would he subject himself to this? Because God called him to do it. You know, he looked beyond his self to others. He became others first. We see it so many times in the Bible, but one of the great examples of this is in the, in the um, New Testament is the Good Samaritan. Remember the story? A Jewish man was on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem. He gets beat up and left for dead. And two religious men walk by. They see the need, but they refuse to fill the need. Then a Samaritan comes by, a dreaded Samaritan, a person that would there be natural animosity between the Jews and the Samaritan? He comes over, kneels down, ministers to the guy, takes care of him, does everything like that for him. And the good Samaritan saw the need and filled the need. You know, as uh, many of you may or may not know, I'm putting a new kitchen in my house. I'm not doing it without the help of the church and other people and all those kind of things because <laughs> it's pretty interesting. My, my kitchen was original from 1969. Avocado green. My stove was out of avocado green and it still worked. It was amazing. Now we had to put some burners on it and all that kind of stuff, but you could only find burners in a second-hand store all the way up in Reading. It was like the only place you could get them. 
But uh, in this one particular, after we started tearing everything apart, uh, my son comes to me and he says, Dad, you, you know that um, your electrical box is no good. It's, it's um, antiquated and you're going to have to replace that because it's, um, it's no longer uh, effective. It can't work. I, I don't know anything about electricity other than it can be shocking at times. And so, and so a couple months ago, like er, earlier this year in September, I think some of the guys from the church and I, we have a small group that meets, small group, that meets at the All-Star Cafe on Monday nights to watch football. It's a deep spiritual event. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the guys there introduced himself, and I could see he was a veteran. I thanked him for his service and all those kind of things. And uh, we got making a conversation, and he was just, a, just an acquaintance. You know, I see him at the All-Star every once in a while, kind of a really neat guy. Well, somebody told him that I was putting in a, a new kitchen, and my electric box was antiquated and would no longer be effective and actually could have ramifications of sparks and fires. I'm happy to let you know that that has been replaced, and it was replaced by Bob, the guy I met at the All-Star. Just an acquaintance. Isn't it amazing how God will use people in our lives that are complete strangers or acquaintances to accomplish the things that he wants to be accomplished? He used King Artaxerxes a heathen god worshiper, a, a king, and he sends Nehemiah, gives him permission to be off, and gives him the time needed to build the wall. Now, I do want to warn you that when you start doing what God asks you to do, attacks will come. They will come. When the plans begin, the attacks will come. Look what happened to poor Nehemiah. But when Sambal and Tobiah and the other Arabs, men, uh, Ammonites and Ashadites, heard that the uh, work was going ahead and that the gaps in the walls of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw them into confusion. And then Nehemiah says this, but we prayed. We prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. I don't have to tell you, I don't have the time to tell you all the strategy that was involved here, but it was really kind of cool what he did. And if you have time this week, read the first six chapters of Nehemiah and you'll hear about, all about it. It's amazing. And, um, and so I, I'm just going to tell you that when you do something great for God, attacks are going to come. They're going to come from outward, outward stimulus. Satan doesn't want us to do what God has called us to do. It doesn't make him happy when the church is going forward. It doesn't make him thrilled when, when we are doing great things for him and building God's kingdom. So the attacks are going to come. You just have to, It just happens. I, I talked to a guy right after the 8 o'clock sermon, and he said, Gil, that's so true. I went on a retreat. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and when I came back on Monday, 
my whole world caved in. He said, I was just getting so discouraged. And then I realized the attacks will come. And it happens with all of us. The attacks will come. Not only outward attacks, but even inward attacks. Look at, look at what it goes on to say in, in this passage of Scripture. It says, Then the people of Judah began to complain. The, works are getting t- uh, the workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to move. We'll never be able to build these walls ourselves, by ourselves. How many of you remember the Saturday Night Live skit, Doug and Wendy Weiner? You remember them? Uh, thank you. I'm just old enough to remember them. Barely. I just barely remember them. But they had a skit that would go on and they whined about everything. And they even used their voice. I'm Doug and this is Wendy and we're the whiners. We have diver retigliitis. I can't eat that food because I have diver retigliitis. It's amazing, but that's what happened. If you remember the children of Israel, they kind of became Doug and Wendy as they left Egypt. Remember? They, they said, uh, well, we don't like the food. We're thirsty. We'd be better off going back to Egypt because the, the garlic and the, the oils are so good there. But they forgot about the beatings, the hard work, the day-in, day-out routine of being a slave. So the attacks will come. They will happen, sometimes outwardly, sometimes inwardly. And um, they just will. And with God's help and by working together, all things are possible. And that's the greatest thing about this passage of Scripture. Listen to what it says in the sixth chapter of Nehemiah. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days. This is after almost 93 years of being nothing. Just desolate piles of rubble and dirt. 52 days after it had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. Why were they frightened and humiliated? Because they realized this work had been done with, everybody says, the help of our God. They realized that this this was beyond. This is beyond all these people. You know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but they didn't have heavy equipment back then. You know, they didn't have these big diggers and all those things that pick things up and put them down in place. There's manpower. And it's amazing that they do, in 52 days, they built the walls and the gates were hung and the protection came. And even those that are surrounding it realized the work had been done that had been done with the help of God. It couldn't have been done any other way. Fifty-two days, the miracle happens. It's just unheard of and miraculous. I know many of you have, you're probably North Campus out. 
You know, you hear about it every week. North Campus this, North Campus that. But God may be calling us to do something really special. With 6,000 new individuals entering our communities here, God may be asking you to go above and beyond what we ourselves. Now listen, the North Campus and the gymnasium isn't going to help me much. I've played my last game of basketball. The only time I dribble is when I eat. And so it's like it's not... Is not something that I'm going to be involved in. But we have the opportunity to invest in the legacy of the next generation and to do something beyond ourselves. To be, to go beyond what God would have us do. Our wall may not be the same, but the need is great. And sometimes what happens is we get so caught up with our needs and our personal desires and things that we need that we don't realize that there's so many people outside the walls of this church that just need a place. They need an opportunity. They need a kind verse. They need a kind word. They need, and we have the opportunity to minister to them. So here's what I'd like you to do this week. As you leave here today, See a need, fill a need. Be like Big Well, the robot. If you see the need, fill a need. What a great opportunity. Look beyond what you have, your needs. Look beyond about your kids. I remember not too long ago, I took my daughter to New York. It was one of our first visits, actually, and um, we're get ready to get x-rays. And uh, this girl walks in with a stroller, like a wheeler thing under her leg, because she didn't have a leg from the knee down. She had no hair, chemotherapy, all those kind of things. And I'm sitting there going, this poor girl. You know, God's brought her to my mind several times. I don't know, but I pray for her. I don't even know her name. See a need, fill a need. And then the second thing I'd like you to do this week is consider signing up for the prayer vigil and pray that God will do some great things through us, that this church is not done, that we're just beginning, and that God is going to do great things through us. As these 6,000 people move into our town, may they know that there is a God in Gilbertsville, in New Hanover, and he is empowering us to do great things for him. And many will realize that the work that we do is not done by our power and strength, but with the help of our God.